Hello and welcome to the New to Canada podcast, the show that shares honest, real-life stories and insider info from internationals living in Canada. I am your host, Kate Johnson, and I made the big move from England to Canada in 2017 after falling in love with a Canadian. Join me as I chat with fellow newcomers and learn all about where they are from in the world, why they chose Canada as their new home, and the lessons they've learnt along the way. It's great to have you. Buying real estate in Canada can feel like an impossibly large and daunting goal, especially as an international newcomer. This episode's guest is Sid from India, and he bought a condo in Toronto just 18 months after his big move. As an immigrant coming in and uh, being able to kind of become a first-time home buyer, I would definitely like peg it as the biggest achievement for myself. I mean, yeah, the journey in itself was so enriching and uh, also so difficult understanding this beast of 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 a like a investment vehicle is so difficult and also like it's actually very streamlined it's and it's actually easy in terms of once you understand like what is it that you want to go after in this episode sid shares with us the three most important steps to take when thinking of buying property in canada and he spills his best tips and tricks for making the process as easy as possible along the way He also shares some bonus advice for growing your LinkedIn profile, as he boasts a 21,000 plus following and has reaped the benefits for his career and network abroad. Let's start the show. Sid is here. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Kate. Good to finally meet you. Yeah, thank you so much for your patience with me over the last few weeks after having to reschedule this interview so many times for different life and work clashes. It's it's great to finally meet you and have our long-awaited chat. Yeah. So you are living in Toronto at the moment and yes. have done since 2017. So the same amount of time as me. <laughs> Whereabouts in Toronto are you? I am in North York, uh, but this is on the West End. So I'm on West Western and 401. That's the major intersection. Nice. Cool. What's your favorite thing about Toronto? I would say like just the amazing diversity that the city has to offer in terms of uh, meeting people from uh, across the globe. Like Mm -hmm. there are so many uh, other immigrants that I get to meet, uh, learn from their journeys uh, and of course like interact in the workplace as well. So just learning from different experiences, learning more about like uh, the different cultures and at the same point in time, also just absorbing as much as uh, the nature has to offer here because there are a lot of uh, riversides that you can go for a walk to, uh, amazing trails, uh, lovely uh, natural surroundings. So those, those are things that I really find uh, amazing out here. Yeah, I definitely agree. Those are probably the two best things about Toronto, right? Like the, you're in a major city, but there's so much nature and then the the multiculturalism, for sure. I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. So would you live anywhere else in Canada, do you think? Or are you pretty set on, on Toronto long term? Uh, so, I mean, yeah, like my first uh, sighting of Canada was in Montreal. Like ah. uh, that was in June of 2016 when I had uh, been there for a conference that I was attending uh, for my previous organization back in India. And uh, yeah, I mean, that is where like I really fell in love with uh, the place and uh, thought that, okay, like immigration could be an option. And uh, once I started exploring things, uh, looking at opportunities, I mean, Toronto made a little more sense just because like French isn't necessity, whereas... Uh, I mean, I wouldn't say like you can't find roles in uh, Montreal or Quebec, which does not require French. I mean, there are a lot of roles there, but it's it's a good to have skill for sure. If uh, at least a language skill to support your not not just professional career, but even like personal uh, life in terms of getting around and meeting new people and stuff. So, I mean, yeah, like I guess I was destined to be to Toronto and uh, I don't mind exploring other places to visit or probably even live. Uh, so even my current role that I'm in, 
uh the headquarters is in Halifax Nova Scotia so Ooh, it gets cold there <laughs> I've been there before and it was freezing cold there yeah and they get quite a lot of um you know bad storms and things right yeah. so yeah you'd have to be wrapped up warm if you live there <laughs> yeah and and i personally do well in colder weather than warmer weather interesting controversial <laughs> yeah <laughs> my my parents always kid with me like probably i think you got adopted from like right. uh, some, some of the colder regions like because i mean people from like asia or generally like from that side of uh, the continent like are just devastated when they are here in terms of <laughs> facing their first winters but on the contrary yeah i was always loving it like i love to kind of be out just kind of uh, go for walks enjoy the snow around uh, because you don't get to see a lot of snow from where i come and uh, you have to kind of make travels to actually go and see snow whereas here you just exit the building and you are like surrounded by <laughs> snow so yeah i think that was like a good change for me and then i it's it's become more like a natural surrounding now yeah so you make the most of winter i guess you get stuck into all these like winter activities and um yeah you're embracing it for yeah that's so nice to have a refreshing positivity about it because it's kind of the go-to thing to complain about as a newcomer i feel like everyone just likes to to moan about it but um yeah i'm definitely one of them but there's definitely a lot of pros to it as well like it's better than just having like a cold damp winter with no snow because then it's like it's still cold and but then you don't get all the snow activities and like things to do and and it looks so pretty too and you feel really Christmassy when it's that time of year and there's so many pros to it as well I love that yeah for sure <laughs> well I can't wait to hear all about your amazing accomplishments since moving here but first we obviously need to dive deep into your country of origin so you were born in a small city in the northeast of India called now I want to say this right Jamshedpur. Yeah, you yeah? almost got it. <laughs> almost? <laughs> yeah, so it's Jamshedpur. Jamshedpur. Okay. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah, so Jamshedpur is also called Tatanagar. So, and uh, Tatanagar gets the name also from a steel uh, kind of plantation that we have there, which is Tata Steel. Uh-huh. And of course, they are, they are massive globally as well. Yeah, I mean... The city itself is very green and it's uh, also like a very clean city. Like it generally kind of gets awarded that uh, within the country as well. And uh, so, yeah, I was born there. I did uh, most of my schooling and uh, younger education there. And it's it's uh, where I belong to. And yeah, it was the small city vibe that I bring to big cities like where i lived mostly in mumbai and uh, now of course like so far away in uh, toronto mhm yeah i was going to say so obviously india's stereotype is that it's very busy and you know overpopulated and lots going on and noise and and people so that city where you were born it's it's more rural would you say it's a city but it's it's quieter and and more parks and green or yeah i mean you can say that it's uh, it's almost like perfect for uh, your younger days and your retirement days uh-huh, because right. <laughs> it's it's got that kind of a small city vibe where like education is very important and you have some amazing schools uh, there to kind of do your primary education and then like generally like all the kids move out to uh, bigger cities and uh, pursue further education like uh be it your masters or even in terms of doing an mba and stuff like that wow nice so do you have lots of family and friends that are still there yeah so uh it's mostly from my maternal side so my maternal side of the family is mostly in jamshedpur and uh yeah it's it's a fun place to kind of just go and visit uh, during holidays so that that is something that i've missed now Mm-hmm. uh for the last year so hopefully i mean yeah once things open up and uh, things are a lot more uh, normal in terms of travels uh, would love to kind of make a short trip 
Yeah, oh, I'm right there with you. I'm dying to get back home and seeing everyone too. I think it's one of the toughest things as, that we have to deal with as newcomers, right? You know, during this whole thing, it's just not knowing when we're going to see, you know, our, our loved ones again. But, you know, I hope that all of your loved ones are staying safe and, and well with the recent variant outbreak. It was truly unimaginable what was, what was happening there. So, um, hope everyone's okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, good. I mean, thankfully, all of them are fine. Like, uh, and yeah, it's it's definitely very painful looking at uh, mm. what's going on. But yeah, hoping everything just gets back to normal soon. Yeah. And I did see a lot of people on uh, LinkedIn, for example, you know, posting about needing help or transport for family members there. And yeah, it was really beautiful, wasn't it? To see, yeah. to see humans caring and supporting and, you know, giving for each other during, during such awful times. For sure. Yeah. Now, so yeah, I've done my fair share of gushing about my love of Indian culture already <laughs> with my two previous Indian guests. So I will spare you, <laughs> but I do have a couple of important questions. So number one, um, what is your favorite Indian festival and why? I would say my favorite Indian festival is Diwali, uh, mm -hmm. also known as Deepavali. So, and that is like uh, also our new year in a way. And yeah, it's it's just so bright and colorful. It's the festival of lights. It's the uh, celebration of uh, good over evil. So it's it's got all the kind of right sensibilities towards why it is celebrated. And uh, also like, I mean, yeah, just get to devour some amazing delicacies, uh, amazing sweets. And uh, just, I mean, it's a perfect time of the year to kind of uh, meet up with uh, family and friends, uh, do house gatherings and uh, just, I mean, be around people whom you love and whom you care for and uh, have a good time. So, yeah, I would wow. say that's probably like the best festival uh, that I like. Fantastic. Yeah. Have you managed to, to celebrate it in Canada? Have you found people to get the festival going with here and to celebrate from afar or? Uh, not not specifically with the firecracker aspect. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly <laughs> but, frowned upon. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I do love to kind of uh, catch up with friends during that time and just enjoy some uh, nice meals, uh, step out and it's generally in the month of October and November, so perfect timing for me. I get mm -hmm. to be out in uh, <laughs> in in the cooler weather, so yeah, I can't complain. Oh, awesome! I love that food is just such a central part of all celebrations, right? It's just the flavors and the spices and the smells, and everyone's around, you know, devouring all this amazing food. I feel like that is so great. I love that so much. Yeah. Okay. Um. And number two, what is your best advice for someone who's visiting India for the first time? So you land. What What would be your best advice for that person? I would say like just like absorb as much as you can like uh, it's it's definitely experience that you are going to kind of have in your memories for a long long time uh, it's it's a very different environment and vibe that you feel there people are always very warm and welcoming that that is one thing that Indians as as a community also take pride in terms of really having that welcoming nature. And uh, so we have this uh, saying, which is Atiti Devo Bhava. So which primarily means like our guest is like our God. Oh, wow. Yeah. Love that. So we, we, yeah, we treat everyone who's visiting the country with utmost respect and uh, warmth. So, and there are, of course, so many places to see, so many places to experience and uh, just so many like different cuisines to try as well. So, <laughs> and yeah, I mean, even you get uh, different seasons that you can experience in different places uh, within the country. I mean, it's even though it's not probably very large in terms of uh, land space, but it's pretty much like a massive country where you probably would be speaking a different language as you travel like 100 or 200 kilometers. So yeah, that way it's pretty crazy. <laughs> wow, I love that. Yeah, and there's so many different uh, sceneries as well, right? You have the rainforest, but then you have the beach and there's the cities. So I love the variety too. So there's a lot to see. So yeah, you're probably right. You have to do it in several trips. 
What a shame. I'm going to have to go more than once. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fantastic. So jumping ahead to your moving overseas story. So when did you first start thinking about leaving India. Uh, so f- the funny part is, uh, as as a family, we got an opportunity to actually live abroad pretty early because uh, my father, who was uh, like in a sales oriented role, uh, he got the opportunity to actually travel to Singapore and uh, set up like a new uh, office space for the organization that he was working with then. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it just turned out to be a great opportunity for the family to also travel with him and explore a new country altogether. So that was probably like our first international exposure. And uh, so we were there for about a couple of years. Mm -hmm. How old were you then? I was probably uh, 10 years old. Yeah. Oh, wow. So you were there for a couple of years in kind of the middle of middle school. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah. And and it really kind of uh, gave us... uh, amazing learnings and exposure at a very young age and uh, that probably stayed with me as uh, through the growing up uh, days and I was then also fortunate enough to travel overseas quite a lot as a working professional so I've traveled to like Southeast Asia, uh, Europe and uh, also like across India of course and uh, but yeah, I had never made a trip to North America till the time we made the trip in June to Montreal. That kind of just, I don't know, set the stone rolling in a way. <laughs> and uh, I just figured like, I mean, there was kind of an organic pull that I just felt with with like the people, the work life, what I was seeing. So and generally that's the case, like seeing is believing, like you always hear some fascinating stories about uh, how life is in Canada or the US and uh, things like that and so yeah I mean just experiencing that for about a week was probably a great catalyst for me to just think about it more seriously and uh, so I took that call uh, in the you can say fall of 2016 and uh, I was here during the fall of 2017. (laughs) Wow Yeah, so you went to all those countries and it was Canada that you'd really felt that pull for the first time where you thought, oh no, I can actually see myself living here long term and moving everything here. So that's so interesting out of all of those countries. But yeah, I find that so, I I love Singapore. So I I was there for a couple of weeks in in 2016, I think. But um, yeah, I did this awesome scooter tour with my hostel. It was so touristy, but it was so much fun. Um, (laughs) But it's so multicultural there as well, right? So experiencing that from a young age, that must have really kind of set you up for this kind of life where you you're moving around and and experiencing all of these different countries and and people do you do you think that's the case because yeah there's so many people from all over right in Singapore it's it's really diverse yeah I would I would definitely imagine so like I mean I I couldn't have imagined like making a travel all by myself if I was in India like it would have always been either with an elder or somebody like to accompany me at at that young age. But generally, like when I was in Singapore, I was pretty independent and like even parents were very comfortable given that it's such a amazing uh, and secure kind of uh, place to live. And uh, I mean, yeah, probably you would see it as brightly lit at night than you see sunlight in the morning. So it's... I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it was such an amazing experience. And like you said, at, at that age. So it probably just got uh, me thinking long term from that stage itself in terms of maybe, yeah, like uh, exploring like different places and countries and cultures as I grow up and uh, am able to kind of support those dreams and uh, actually go out and do the adventure myself. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and just grabbing those work trips, you know, every time one came up, I'm I'm guessing you were like, me, I'll do it. I'm going to Europe. I'm going to Southeast Asia. I'm going to America, you know, just kind of jumping at all of those trips. I mean, why not? That's so great. Yeah. Fantastic. So you applied for permanent residency then. So you went to Montreal and you thought, oh, this is awesome. I'm going to start applying for, for permanent residency kind of straight out of the gate. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So you landed in Toronto officially in 2017 with your permanent residency. Um, what was your, what were your first impressions? Did you, was it everything that you'd kind of look forward to? Um, what was it like? 
Yeah, I mean, I can't really complain uh, because probably the other thing that generally a new immigrant comes in with is the apprehensions and the hesitations in terms of, okay, now that we are here, how do we support ourselves in terms of actually finding like a professional opportunity that will also support us financially and as well as help us uh, grow and like really get into the like system as as you say so i was really fortunate that way i actually landed here with a job in hand so uh, i i mean the thing i remember uh, very vividly is so i landed on the 7th of september uh, 2017 and uh, so that was a thursday so i had friday and the weekend just to kind of ease the jet lag figure out like where is my workplace and monday i was already at office so yeah i mean that's that's how fun like the journey was and uh, it was so amazing this is what i have to do now and uh, figure out like what i'll be eating what what how will i be kind of actually meeting new people and uh, making friends because yeah i mean practically did not know anyone here apart from a few distant kind of uh, family friends uh, and of course like i had never met them personally before moving here so you can't really rely a lot on them as well so but yeah i mean it was helpful to at least know someone so that i could get accommodation at a place uh, which is uh, great and then just start my journey from there so yeah i mean i i would say like the shift and the move was pretty seamless and from there it was just about like getting acclimatized with how things are and really kind of uh, figuring things out as you go along right yeah because you can't really prepare for that stuff can you i mean you can look for accommodation before you arrive you can look for a job before you arrive and then it's you know you come here and then you're thinking okay uh, i actually don't know anyone and i don't this is a bit of a culture shock and then there's all these other things that you can't really deal with until you're here so i know there's a lot of people that that listen to the show that are nervous and that are kind of building up to the big move so um yeah it's it's good to hear that you can prepare some things and then you've just got to dive in and 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 it'll all work out it's just um yeah you you can't really do anything you just got to adjust to it when you arrive yeah so Amazing. true <laughs> so you named self discovery and professional growth as as those main drivers behind moving to canada right so 4 years later do you think that you've you've grown in both of those areas yeah i mean by leaps and bounds <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, like nothing short of expectation as well because uh, i mean yeah like self discovery primarily because i've always lived with my parents because that's the thing you do if you're in mm-hmm. india like if you're not then something is wrong <laughs> so whereas here of course it's very different like once you are 18 if you are at home then there is something wrong so <laughs> uh i mean yeah that's like the same cultural thing and uh, also the fact that uh, yeah i mean just living alone and exploring things on your own like and caring for your own self like looking after your own needs those are things that i never had to really kind of think about or even like contemplate doing back home uh whereas here like maybe cooking for yourself uh of course keeping the place clean around you right i bet you miss your mum's recipes oh, oh my gosh every day every single day like <laughs> all these four years and oh. uh, but yeah i mean it was fun to actually have my parents over as well so they got to experience my kind of lifestyle and what i do and of course uh, they also got to visit my workplace back then where i was so and everybody in the workplace also loved seeing them and meeting them oh that's so <laughs> great i love that it's so nice for them to see you know when you're on the phone to them and you're catching up they actually now they know what you're referring to and they can visualize what you're talking about and it's and you're almost so proud right i remember when my parents came to visit for the first time and you become this tour guide of toronto and you're like so proud of your new home and showing them around everything it's so it's so exciting yeah and uh, so yeah i mean just that self discovery bit is still something which is going on and evolving right. and Ooh, in terms of prof- yeah in terms of professional growth for sure because i mean i was like doing really well back home as well uh, professionally and i was in a very stable kind of environment as well but probably that is what also triggered me to think okay maybe this is not 
something that is going to help me to kind of grow professionally as well because you will only grow if you are driven by like external uh, forces and the people that you are around as well so and i always believe that if you are probably the smartest person in the room then you are in the wrong room so wow i love that <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah i mean so just like that constant going towards growth going towards like really evolving as a professional as well and really understanding how uh people do things differently to kind of uh, just keep uh, things more engaging because i mean a lot of things that we do uh, even in digital marketing or content marketing or like any realm of work like it can kind of get monotonous or probably mechanical at some stages so how do you make it creative is by like always having some conflict of interest having like a lot of discussions with different kind of individuals who have like varied experiences and backgrounds and when you are like going towards a common goal with probably different approaches it just stems a lot of creativity and a lot of kind of uh, just cr- i mean crazy ideas and and mm. that kind of environment is probably what i was missing back home and there has been no dearth of it since i moved here <laughs> and worked in different roles so yeah that both those aspects like i said have have been real kind of uh, motivator as as well as something that has kept me just moving from strength to strength out here yeah oh it's so true yeah because you can just be comfortable and you can be safe and you can just be ticking along every day doing something that you know how to do and you do it well um but then there's the type of people like yourself and myself who yeah we do i i just get bored right and you want to be challenged and you want to meet new people all the time and you want to be learning new things and i think that's such an exciting way to live and i think everybody who's listening to this show will be the same because you're either already have made a huge life decision and moved to canada or you're thinking of doing so so either way you've got that spark in you so um yeah it's definitely an amazing trait to have and to just go for it because you know there's nothing you can always go back or you can always you know there's the, it's just the the growth that you'll come that will come from that it's just so worth it in my opinion so yeah agreed awesome so out of all of your incredible achievements since moving here from building a credit score of over 800 as well as having a savings and investment portfolio of nearly $100,000 in under 4 years i'm sure you'll be happy to chat about those particular things with anyone interested right they can reach out to you on linkedin we'll put the link in the show notes um but for this episode there are two particular topics that i'd love to discuss further with you um and the first one is your experience being a first time home buyer in Canada. This is huge, right? A lot of newcomers come here and they're shocked by the high accommodation um rental costs, especially in cities like Toronto, for example. You know, owning your own home in Canada can be a pretty intimidating goal. Um you know not just financially but you know not knowing how the real estate market even works you know all the things so run us through that journey you know how did you manage to to own your own home in canada in 4 years and and do you have any tips and advice for for other internationals looking to do the same yeah for sure and uh, like i said i'm that i would definitely like peg it as uh, the biggest achievement for myself as oh yeah <laughs> like as an immigrant coming in and uh, being able to kind of become a first time home buyer and uh, i mean yeah the journey in itself was so enriching and uh, also so difficult because it's it's probably the the other challenge that people face apart from like the job market out here is real estate like uh, understanding this beast of <laughs> of 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 a uh, like uh, investment vehicle is so difficult and also like it's actually very streamlined it's and it's actually easy in terms of once you understand like what is it that you want to go after i mean of course based on my learnings and also speaking to a lot of friends who have gone through that journey as well i i would say like there are three phases to like the home buying journey so one is the preparation phase one is uh, the home buying phase itself and the final is like uh, the possession phase so 
how I began my journeys, of course, in terms of firstly understanding, do I need to like buy a home or am I good renting out like for a longer period of time? And mm-hmm. what I figured was based on what I was seeing happening back then in uh, probably uh, early 2018 or late 2018, uh, in terms of how the real estate market was just booming and like really going northward. So I just figured like rentals are only going to get more and more expensive because it had become more or less like a buyer's market back then. It was not really a seller's market because what really pushed it towards becoming a seller's market is like what is happening now in in terms of like uh, wars and craziness like that yeah (laughs) yeah so like now getting money is cheaper but getting in front of the right bid is more difficult and uh, back then of course like uh, the interest rates were still reasonable uh, in terms of uh, the mortgages but uh, at the same point in time supply was always uh, not like meeting demand so there were bidding wars back then as well but not as much as you see it now Mm -hmm. and uh, but yeah going back to like the phases so the first phase of course is preparation so you actually need to understand firstly whether you want to go in for the buy or continue renting and for that it's just simple maths like if if you are spending more than one third of your uh, income in rentals then it's definitely not worth living in a rental right that's a good that's so good to put a number to it right because that's such a obscure question i feel like you know am i am i better off buying who i don't know like so it's good to have that a third of your wage on rent then you should maybe looking to buying yeah it's interesting and uh and then of course like you do the math the other way around as well like uh are you actually saving on that third if you are buying because it could be of course like there is going to be the emi there is going to be the maintenance then there's going to be like the additional add-ons which are electric internet all those fun stuff so mm-hmm. and yeah it's like doing the math if it's equitable then why not buy and like build equity versus like rent and pay off somebody else's mortgage so mm-hmm. that was like my first thought and it just made sense to buy and uh, so it was more than about timing like when to actually make that decision so I took that decision probably one year in so around October is uh, when I got into like a permanent role October 2018 that is and that is when I figured okay now that I'm in a permanent role I can like have a little more stability and figure out like finances better off. And of course, like even when you're going for pre-approvals and uh, for mortgage, it's uh, easier if you have a permanent role because like it just makes sense for them as well to have uh, some kind of security in giving you the mortgage as well. And uh, so, yeah, the timing kind of worked out there. And uh, so the first off is, of course, like, knowing your appetite so that is where you get to uh, understanding like what amount of deposit would you require and of course like what would your appetite be in terms of how much of mortgage do you qualify for uh, so that is where like getting a pre-approval done uh, with like mortgage specialist at a bank or probably a mortgage broker as well and really understanding like what is it based on your income, based on your credit score and based on different uh, conditions around, like what is it that would best suffice your need. And then of course, like you need to decide whether it's, it's more of a lifestyle choice, whether are you a condo person or are you house person? Because I personally am not a fan of raking leaves or <laughs> cutting or cutting grass or like uh, shoveling snow. So I was like, okay, I'm happy living the condo life. And also coming from like always having lived in apartments, even back home, of course, they were much bigger like right now. So this is the place that I ended up buying and it's a one bed condo. Yeah, it's perfect for a single person and uh, it's got all the amenities taken care of. 
So, and that is what I decided, like, I would do with a condo. Right. So how did you, how, where do you go to, to start that initial research, right? Because there's finances and then there's what type of, you know, accommodation do I want to buy? You know, all these questions. So I think, you know, in Canada, very, just going straight back to the basics, in Canada, real estate is run by um, different associations, right? So you have like the the Durham Region Association of Realtors, which is actually where I used to work. <laughs> okay. Um, and then there's the Toronto Real Estate Board. So there's all these different boards and associations that run, you know, they, they impose all of the rules in that realtors have to abide by, all of that good stuff. So um, I always found that really useful that those boards and associations, they have, you know, average um, house prices, they have mortgage information, so those websites would be a really good starting point to research. Do you have any other tips on on how to kind of know which areas, you know, are, are average prices or, or what to do to, to get a good handle on where you're at with those things? Yeah. So since I decided on condos, so my kind of living and breathing website for when I was doing the research was condos.ca. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, I basically was exploring different condos in specific regions that I was kind of targeting. So, again, based on budgets. So, my regions of uh, area focus were North York, Etobicoke and Scarborough. And uh, so, just looking at different condos in these uh, spaces... And sometimes you have like townhouse condos also listed as condos. So that is again something that you get to kind of expand or explore. And, uh, and of course, like then while doing this research, I always like say that you, it's ideal if you have like a needs and wants list so that mm. you really understand or know that what you're going after. So needs are like the basics, like you need. Uh, let's say like a washer and dryer in suite or you need like uh, like all the sh uh, groceries and stuff that you can get close by and uh, probably like proximity to like uh, TTC subway stuff like that and uh, of course like a parking spot uh, a locker and other kind of stuff and then then you look at also like whether are you looking at two bedrooms three bedrooms two bed, two wash and stuff like that. So you build out that needs and wants list and wants would be, of course, like if you need like a patio or a solarium and stuff like that. So, I mean, those those are something that uh, is, of course, more kind of expenses. But at the same point in time, if it's wants, then you have to go for it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that so those will be the three phases to like do the preparation. So one is your getting your deposit ready. Uh, doing your pre-approval and then building out that needs and wants list and uh, yeah so for pre-approval um you know i'm terrible i i'm really bad i don't know much about finances and real estate and things like that so um just book an appointment right you were mentioning yeah. these mortgage agents they're really really helpful you can just go to your bank and ask for an appointment it's free so if you if you're like me and you, you you know real estate finances are not really your forte then you know it's even if you're not in the market quite yet and you think you're not quite financially ready to to buy but it's still something you're thinking of doing it's definitely good to have a chat with an agent right and just start getting an understanding of your situation and and then start planning and and you can save and and start the process so yeah exactly like uh yeah i mean getting pre-approvals on just like filling out a form is of course not advisable i would <laughs> definitely recommend like speaking to a human like uh, either yeah. going to your uh, financial institution or like looking for references for uh, good uh, mortgage uh, brokers or specialists and uh, yeah just having a chat figuring out like what is it that really fits your budget and appetite and then that helps you with the preparation phase and yeah. once you have everything locked down, that is when you go into the fun stage, which is like going and exploring and viewing homes. So that is again where you need to engage a professional realtor mm -hmm. so that you can work with them and uh, really mention to them like what is it that you're wanting to go after 
and uh, probably go after like specific uh, locations as well and uh, of course like have the needs and wants list ready uh, so that it's easy to reference when you are viewing homes and uh, i would say like at least begin with like viewing 3 to 5 homes just to kind of get an idea and feel of how things are understand like uh, also like some of the finances of uh, the condos as well because some of the condos probably that you will go and uh, visit might have like a status certificate already available so status certificate is basically that speaks about the financial health of the condominium uh, as uh, like it gives you an understanding of whether they are having surplus of funds in their reserves or uh, whether the maintenance costs have been going up uh, annually and how much of a difference that has been whether it's been growing double digits or just single digits and it's more like inflation adjustable versus like actually going through a tough time uh, so those things like i mean if you understand finances it's easier <laughs> if mm-hmm. if not of course like you will have your lawyer to vet those uh, kind of numbers and do the crunching and like give you some concrete answers as well whether this is a good investment or not and uh, so yeah those those kind of things will help in terms of really making the right choice before like of course like it's not that you're going out and buying groceries you're like really putting hard earned money into something big like it's yeah. it's a pretty big investment yeah so, probably the biggest one you'll ever make other than you know no children <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly great so what information do you have as a first time home buyer so obviously you were a first time home buyer in canada you were a permanent resident at the time so um i bought my house with with my canadian fiance in 2019 okay. and interestingly it wasn't his first time buying a home but it was mine so we actually still had that first time home buyers tax break which you know we just got the half corresponding to me discounted so that's really good to know you know if you're going in with someone who isn't a first time home buyer still mention it because you can take advantage of of these benefits that that exist in Canada as as first time um and then the down payment too there's a there's quite a low uh, minimum down payment for first time home buyers right yeah so in general it's uh, 5% and mm-hmm. uh, but of Not course as like as you think right <laughs> yeah exactly and uh, the only thing is of course like you have the cmhc uh, kind of uh, insurance that you have to kind of also take up because mm-hmm. you are paying 5% as the down payment uh that goes away if you are doing a 20% down and uh, so you don't have to kind of look at the cmhc insurance anymore and uh that is also like great if you are able to manage those funds but if not i mean 5% is doable as well and it also equates to your credit score because based on your credit score even the uh financial institution who's giving you the mortgage would be able to kind of uh mention whether do you qualify for a 5% down or not because mm-hmm. and that is where like building a great credit score is important because unless you don't meet the threshold that they have and uh, of course like with like new norms of the stress test also being introduced again so which got introduced from the 1st of june if i'm not mistaken and uh, so yeah that again goes back to your household income or your single income if you are the only investor so that's a test if um you know if the interest rates just suddenly skyrocket it's it's testing whether you'd still be able to make those payments so um it can be a little more challenging if you're kind of at the minimum threshold it kind of the stress test might not actually qualify you so again it's just making that appointment with with an expert or a professional to to get that explained to you i think i think we could be here all day with with those definitions but oh um, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> and and to your point like what you mentioned in terms of the tax break as a first time home buyer so mm. you get a, a tax break with the land tax land transfer tax that mm-hmm. you have to kind of make uh and also if you have an rrsp kitty that you have been building towards your uh, f- like to support your first time home buying 
So you can withdraw up to 35,000 uh, at a stretch uh, from your RRSP account and you can refill it uh, within a time period of 10 years, if I'm not mistaken. But of course, like you can find all this information on Canada.ca. That's the original source of truth that you should always refer to uh, mm-hmm. for anything related to taxes, anything related to investments and like all these uh, tax benefits that you also can levy. But yeah, I mean, it's it's a daunting and overwhelming task, but it's so streamlined and it's actually easy if you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So Research, research, research. <laughs> oh, yeah. So and and that's the rule, right? Like. If you are investing time and money into anything new, you should do like a hundred hours of research. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess for people that aren't residents, right? So if they're not a citizen and they're not a permanent resident, I get that question a lot. Like, can I still buy a home in Canada? I, you definitely still can. I just think the minimum down payment will be a lot more and you'll be paying extra taxes, right? There's like a 15% tax extra tax or something if you're a non-resident but it's definitely still possible i wanted to throw that out there it's not you don't have to be a citizen or a permanent resident yeah and and that is why i think we have a lot of foreign investors who Mm -hmm. also like invest in real estate in canada given how lucrative it can be Mm -hmm. so yeah definitely not something to be ruled out in terms of if you are not a permanent resident or a citizen you can still buy or invest in real estate fantastic Okay, so very quickly, um, a second topic I wanted to pick your brains on, your success on LinkedIn. So I can't brush past it. At the time of this recording, you have almost 22,000 followers on LinkedIn, which is incredible. Having such an extensive network must have played a key role in in your settlement here in Canada. Have you had career opportunities and and other positive consequences from, from that? Yeah, I mean, believe it or not, all the roles that you see on my profile in Canada have been through LinkedIn. Wow, there you go. Yeah, so it's either been like applying for a job through LinkedIn or actually a talent recruiter locating my profile on LinkedIn and reaching out to hire me for the role. So, and yeah, I mean, I've, I've been like a patron for LinkedIn for a long time and I also do encourage like not just uh, like new immigrants but also like fresh grads to actually like take advantage of LinkedIn as a platform to really kind of put yourself out there a lot more like uh, be a voice uh, in in the space that you feel most comfortable in and at the same point in time also like it's the best brand that you can build like just do a Google search of your name and I'm pretty sure like LinkedIn would be the first result unless you have a Twitter page. So, so that's, that's how important LinkedIn as a platform can be for your professional needs. And uh, in terms of how I kind of have built it or use LinkedIn as a platform is making like the right connections and networking with uh, individuals in the spaces that I personally have a lot of uh, interest in or am really invested towards. So be it in terms of the space of marketing, be it in terms of uh, just social welfare, like uh, mental health, networked with people who are involved in those associations on LinkedIn and like just uh, volunteer to help out and uh, like be a part of their cause. And uh, I mean, that has been a great kind of learning experience as well. I mean, back home in India, of course, like I also had done volunteering and like working in not profits, but it wasn't probably as enriching for me as much as it was for like what I was like helping out in or being a part of. So, so it was more a give and take here than probably just giving back in india so and and that's what i love about uh, like how again like the self discovery kind of uh, journey so you just get to learn about different facets about yourself itself like by like meeting different people from different walks of life and so again in terms of so first is networking uh, second is uh, of course like having a voice in 
all these uh, kind of interest areas that I have. So I would definitely look at like interacting with posts that speak about any of these topics. And uh, it's fun looking at what brands do on LinkedIn as well in terms of actually keeping that engagement levels. And uh, finally, of course, like uh, looking at helping a lot of new immigrants or uh, fresh graduates in terms of really understanding like how they can not just leverage LinkedIn as a platform, but also in terms of just approach interviews, the job market and like uh, really build a brand for themselves versus looking at just getting a job. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I always feel that it's it's more about it should always be that people come to you for understanding or knowing what is it that you do and how that can enable their product or service to be better versus you having to pitch yourself in terms of actually selling yourself in terms of meeting the needs of a role in in general so yeah that's a really really good distinction because these recruiters and you know if you're sending out resumes they will look at your linkedin 1000% so you know that profile should have content on it and it should show you it should show that you're engaging with people and you're commenting and you're posting and um it should have value there for sure because i think that's probably the biggest mistake that people make you know they just kind of cold add people and say hey can you help me find a job um you know, LinkedIn is more of a, of a giving platform. Going back to your point, you know, you have to give, you know, your opinions and your thoughts on things and contribute to the community. And if you think of it that way, yeah, you can definitely, obviously you're doing something right. 22,000 followers later. Um, it's, uh, definitely the best tactic for sure. Yeah. And, uh, and that's how we met as well. <laughs> yes, exactly. There you go. <laughs> I'm so, only started growing mine this year. So I've just got the 500 plus. So I'm like, yes, because <laughs> it was always like 400 and something, 300 and something. And now it's just 500 plus. And I thought I was aiming for that for, for so long. So, um, yeah, that's my big win, but I'm just going to keep trying to build it because I never really, really, made the most of that platform at all. I was very much an Instagram girl and, you know, all of the social, the the visual kind of more social platforms, whereas now LinkedIn is just booming and um, it's, it, you can, the, the potential to grow your network there is, is amazing. So I definitely wanted to pick your brains on that. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Sid, for your time today. I'm I'm feeling so inspired. I hope that this episode will inspire others to, to strive for those big goals, right? You know, we can all do it if we put that effort in, whether it's buying a new home or, you know, trying to grow your network and you just keep going and researching and, you know, hearing from people who've already done it like yourself to to just know that it's possible, right? So um, where can people find you if they want to reach out and connect? Yeah. So contrary to all the other platforms that you mentioned, I am only on LinkedIn. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm not available on any other social media, but yeah, LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me. And if not, it's, uh, my Gmail. So it's my last name dot first name at gmail.com. And of course, you can get that on my LinkedIn as well. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, happy to kind of uh, meet new people, help them navigate like, uh, it could be something around real estate. It could be about financial investments. It could be just about digital marketing or it could just be about how is Canada treating me? <laughs> Great. That's all you need, right? We just need to share more of our experiences with each other and, and be there to help each other. So, um, there's really no need to, to go struggle alone anymore. So yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Kate. Thank you so, so much for listening. As always, it would mean the world to us if you could leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. And then if you're loving the show so far, recommend us to your friends. Spread word and help us grow this exciting community. Until next week. Bye.